0: Hey, Dana's and Becky's, what you're about to hear is an encore presentation of one of our favorite episodes from the Don't Ask Tig archives. Please enjoy. Hey, friends. It's your friend Tig here. Tis the season for the holidays, and we want to hear about your festivity-related issues and awkward situations. We know there's a lot of them. We've got Halloween, Thanksgiving, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, winter solstice, and I'm sure some that I've never even heard of that you want to fill me in on. Maybe you're worried the costume you're planning is offensive, or you're tired of always being the Friendsgiving organizer but don't know how to ask your friends to help. Hate the holidays altogether and want ideas for ways to manage your time amidst all the annoying celebrations and cheer. Well, we got you covered. Or maybe we don't. Who knows? But we will come up with something, useful or not. Write in at don'tasktig.org or don't call 833-275-8444. That's 833-ASK-TIG-4. And leave me a voicemail if I don't pick up. Okay, now let's get into the show.
1: I've seen some kids where I'm like, oh, that kid's going to grow up to be a jerk.
0: Well, but I'm talking about when they're a kid. When no, yeah. Grown you a-
1: can tell, though. They were jerked in. You ever been at a Ritz-Carlton and see like a six-year-old in a blazer walking <laughs> around like they own the place?
0: <laughs> they might own the place. They might. <laughs> yeah. Their family might be the Carltons or the Ritzes. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, and I find it hilarious that you're still asking me for advice. You've heard my guest's voice on shows like Final Space and Harley Quinn. You've seen him on Blackish and Miracle Workers and his numerous hilarious stand-up appearances. I'm honored to be joined by comedian, actor, writer, and friend, Ron Funches. Oh, Ron. Welcome to Don't Ask Tig.
1: Thank you for having me. It's so good to see your face.
0: It's good to see yours. I love you. I love you. That's
1: it. It's just simple.
0: (laughs) I do. I love you. I think you're so funny. I don't know. You probably don't even remember this. This was so long ago. But when Stephanie and I first got together, we were in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you were performing and I was like, we have to go to the punchline and see this guy perform.
1: Oh, I don't even remember that. Is that how (laughs) you put it? No, I very much remember that. That was a big marker for me. It was actually more of like a full-turn moment for me because I remember one of the first times I saw you was in Seattle at Bumbershoot, and it was so loud, and everyone was so rambunctious, and you were just so in the pocket. And I think it was the first time I saw you scoot the stool around on stage, which <laughs> you had done on television a couple of times. But I think that was the first time I ever saw you do something like that. And just seeing you still remain quiet and remain yourself in that situation. And I learned so much from that moment where I was just like, oh, there's a power and just remaining myself even in this situation and then a couple of years later and I am headlining at San Francisco at the punchline and the fact that you walk in first I was like oh is she going to want to do a set because that's going to make it hard for me No. and then that you just were there to see me and see what I do and that meant so much to me it was a marker to me that you know there's so many people who don't know anything at all about our business or very quickly to tell you how much you suck and how much you don't <laughs> mean anything in the comedy business. And it's like memories like that. And I had like a memory where like Wanda Sykes just came up to me and was so nice to me. And then those always I'm like, uh-huh. oh, if, if Tig likes me, if Wanda likes me, then <laughs>
0: you. <laughs> if all the gay women like me. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm all okay. Set. <laughs> they got the money. <laughs> yeah, no, I I remember being so excited to, I was like, oh man we got to go see his show. And um, you're just so, so funny. And you clearly have remained doing your own thing. And I love it. Thank you. Now, you've also said that Lucille Ball Mm -hmm. was one of your original comedy inspirations. And how did she influence you? It seems like you're a little young to be an (laughs) I Love Lucy fan. (laughs) That's
1: what my mom would say when I was watching it. She's like, you're watching things that are too old for me to be watching. Uh, And it was just something I was drawn to as a kid. I think there was just something... About the peacefulness of it, the niceness of it, even like how calm it is. Like, you know, and today everything is so quick to try to get to a punchline, every other line. And they would let these things breathe. And sometimes the punchline wouldn't happen until the end of the scene. And yeah. it was just something that I fell in love with at a young age. And then... When I grew up and got into comedy and learned more about her and learned more about how that show in her studio pioneered the three-camera sitcom and how she was pretty much directly responsible for Greenlight and Star Trek and the fact that Max Factor was her makeup artist, the fact that they were doing a interracial couple during McCarthyism yeah. and he's Cuban. And I was like, man, this show is so ahead of its time there's shows that to this day that aren't as progressive as that show
0: it's really incredible yeah that's why i love her i kind of watched anything my mother watched but um it was fun to share that with her to just really love and cackle at somebody with my mother yeah there's some people that aren't crazy about lucille ball i do at times think is it because i'm older but then hearing you, I know you're not 50, so it, it's clearly not just for the 50 and older group. No, I don't
1: think so. I think I just love having respect for the people that came before me. Mm-hmm. I think you learn lessons quicker. You you can delve deeper into your own style if you know where your base comes from. And you know people like Lucille Ball, people like Carol Burnett are just kind of like, trendsetters of this kind of like more optimistic silly style that i try to put out so it'd be weird for me not to like her
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love silliness i'll tell you that speaking of silly and unfortunate you were set to host the (laughs) nbc game show called ultimate slip and slide Mm -hmm. and then it was canceled because of a diarrhea outbreak yeah that's silly and sad Thank you for both. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you tweeted, I changed my diet around years ago and diarrhea still finding a way to mess up my life. Yeah. Give me all your thoughts and feelings.
1: Well, you know, before when I was very, uh, heavy, I guess obese is the clinical term. I had like, deal with diarrhea a lot at that point. And a lot of vomiting, just a lot of things to let me know you're not healthy. But I thought were normal, and now it just sucks because it was such a. I mean, at the end of the day, I can't really complain because I got all that money from it, and I uh-huh. got to sit next to Bobby Moynihan and send retired NBA players and seventy-two-year-old nurses down giant slip and slides while making <laughs> fun of them with a guy who I grew, you know, as a teenager watching and fell in love with. So. It just was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, did I just stumble into a job that I'm going to be doing for four or five years as a person who's used to just always being like, I don't know where I'm going to be next month. So I let myself get a little excited about it. And then I was like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Diarrhea does it again. It does it again. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sorry that that didn't work out, but obviously, you've done so well, and you have so much more to come. Thank you, Tig. I have to believe there's more for you than a show that's going to let diarrhea (laughs) hold you back.
1: (laughs) I will never let diarrhea stop me.
0: I think you are destined to be on something that will not let diarrhea get in the way (laughs) that's how much i believe in you ron
1: oh thank you tig i wish i had that type of confidence
0: (laughs) in time you will get that confidence in time you just have to believe that you are worthy of something that diarrhea can't stop
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'll say it back to myself i love affirmations i am worthy of something mm-hmm. that diarrhea cannot stop. <laughs> no diarrhea <laughs> formed against me shall prosper.
0: <laughs> That's your mantra.
1: So,
0: now we, um, you know, we're this is this is an advice show. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of questions about online dating, and um, you met your wife on Bumble.
1: I did. Yes.
0: Any advice on yes how to navigate apps? Like these,
1: I would say, do it just like she did. Put one picture up, uh, mm-hmm. just one uh, of okay. your face, uh, that will lead the person to then believe that this is obviously a fake account. Uh, <laughs> but because of their just general comedic ways and the fact that they're stoned all the time, they'll be like, okay, let me talk to this robot for a while, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> And then you just trap them in you bring them in that's how she got me she had one picture and I believe her opening line was like I've been looking for a perfect gentleman and one has appeared and I was like, you don't know me." <laughs> <laughs> robot.
0: <laughs> did you think it was a robot?
1: I did because there's a lot of fake accounts on there and oh. they'll flirt with you for a minute and then they'll go, hey, let's take this off the site. Follow me at this.
0: And why do they do that?
1: They think that you'll give them your credit card info because you're lonely.
0: Oh. I miss the whole online dating thing. Oh, yeah, Stephanie yeah, I and I, yeah, I mean, I know it's been around for a while, but we've been together, we're going on nine years, and I feel like it wasn't as mm-hmm. big as it is in the past, like, maybe five years. No, if is you that- were
1: doing it back then, people were like, oh, you're you're a weirdo. Yeah, you're,
0: you're weird and yeah. you're sad. Yeah, yeah, you've
1: exhausted the real world, and now right. you're trying to find things through the matrix.
0: Even back then, I was supportive of it. When people would act like it's the weirdest thing, it's like, so to be legitimate, you have to go in public drunk. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like to a bar, like that is a legitimate thing. Whereas Mm -hmm. online, it's more here are my hobbies, here is my face, I'd love to chat with you. You're supposed to meet your spouse on an independent film like I did. <laughs> You're supposed to have a small role and your spouse is supposed to have a small role and then you fall in love. That's how it goes.
1: That's a tale as old as time.
0: It is a tale as old as time mm-hmm. and I'm sick of telling it.
1: All right? Tell the great grandparents used to meet everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit part in a
1: in a silent film. <laughs> in,
0: a, in a silent film. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Ron, we are here to give advice to the audience. Okay. And you seem like you've got enough experience in life to to really give the people what they need. Yes.
1: Learn from my mistakes and errors, please.
0: Learn from all of Ron's horrible mistakes that he has made over the years. All right. Let's learn from that. Right. Somebody needs to learn from this, right?
1: Yes, I thought if you just pooped (laughs) in the corner of a water park, nobody would notice. But
0: they found out. (laughs) (laughs) And word traveled, Ron. (laughs) Word traveled. All right, Ron, we both live in Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. You're still in L.A.? Yeah, the Valley. All right. Our first question comes from a newcomer to our fair city. Mm. Carrie writes... I'm going to Los Angeles for the first time. What should I do? I'm looking for outdoor activities I can walk or bike to. I'm staying in North Hollywood. I'm in my 30s. I love plants, cats, and comedy. Ron, I'm just going to jump in right away and say, Carrie should just come to my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got plants there, right? I got plants. I have three cats, Ron. I have three cats. Cats, and I would do anything for a fourth. It's still up for discussion. The only reason we might not is because Stephanie's worried that the fourth might not get along with the three that already travel in a pack, Mm. eat together, sleep together, clean each other. They're a really cute crew. They
1: got good team dynamics.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, Do you like cats, Ron? I like
1: all animals in theory, but not to take care of.
0: Okay. Well, I don't need you to take care of my cats. I just need you to be like, oh, that's cute. I could do that all day. Okay. And uh, we got comedy at the house. I mean, my wife and I are comedy people. Our kids are funny. I mean, come over to my house, Carrie.
1: I think that that's the answer. And then you can save on lodging unless you charge
0: a lot. I'm not sure. I do. I charge a lot. (laughs) To have somebody I've never met come stay at my house that offers plants, cats, and comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a lot. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. What do you suppose Carrie should do? Well, if
1: they're in North Hollywood...
0: Obviously, they're going to stay at my house.
1: They're going to stay at your house, so they got a quick access. They have the ability to get around. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in North Hollywood there is a statue of Lucille Ball near the a, a, a studio. I don't remember exactly, so maybe what you'll have to do is do what I did and take a moderate amount of mushrooms and walk around North <laughs> Hollywood until you stumble across a statue of Lucille Ball that you Pray to out loud. Uh, <laughs> now,
0: wait a minute. Is it, this isn't the the statue that was like terribly. No, I think that's in Jamestown.
1: I think that one's in Jamestown, Ohio.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. What would you have good. done if you ran into the Jamestown when you were on mushrooms? I've never done mushrooms. Oh. Would that put you on a, like a bad trip? Definitely.
1: With that, okay. yes. The face of okay. it, the dimples of it. Definitely. But they
0: changed it, right? Yes. They, they rectified the uh, situation. One would hope so. I mean, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google the Lucille Ball statue in Jamestown. Right.
1: Yes, you could probably just Google "ugly Lucille Ball statue."
0: <laughs> you could probably just Google Lucille Ball, and probably that statue will pop up. <laughs> That's probably tr- you need to know what she looks like if you're really young and you don't follow her. But either way, so go to the Lucille Ball statue, and um, oh, you know what else? I would highly suggest this is something that I do. And I bring people here from time to time. And Ron, I would love to either bring you there or tell you, you should just go here. If we can't do this together, if you just go take your mushrooms Mm -hmm. and go to this place. Okay. That I'm about to tell you. You
1: have me at go take my mushrooms.
0: Okay. (laughs) On Beverly Boulevard in Los Angeles, across from CBS studios not radford cbs in north hollywood but on beverly boulevard beverly and fairfax Mm -hmm. right near there there is a shoe repair store hear me out you're laughing but you haven't heard me out this place is called roberto's and i like to think i've helped keep this guy in business over the years because i talk about him on podcasts from time to time when i lived in that area Years ago, I was taking a walk. My ex and I were walking down Beverly and I glanced over and it's really hard to explain, but my gosh, is it not worth it? There is a window for Roberto's shoe repair and he has pictures of, I don't even want to say what's in the window. I just want people to go to the window at Roberto's shoe repair and tell me if it doesn't make you smile or laugh or stare dumbfounded, okay?
1: Okay. I just love your Los Angeles. It starts with your house and it ends with Roberto's shoe repair.
0: Well, and then in the middle of the day, you go to the Lucille Ball statue, of course. So that's what you do you go to the Lucille Ball statue, then you go by Roberto's shoe repair on Beverly Boulevard. Look in the window, and then if you take a picture, can you tag me on some sort of social media and and tell me how you feel when you look in that window? What do you think of that, Ron? I gave no information. I love that. Do you?
1: That's a good Los Angeles trip to me.
0: Do you know it's so crazy? I talked about this one time on a podcast, and then I brought a friend of mine to Roberto's because it makes so many people laugh so hard. People enjoy this to no end when they go to Roberto's. By the way, I don't know Roberto. Okay? <laughs> I just go and look in his window and it makes me so happy. I'm glad you said that. I was bringing somebody there and there was somebody there standing, looking in the window. And they looked over and they go, oh, my God, Tig, I'm here because you talked about this on a podcast. And so I'm standing there with somebody who really followed my lead and and, uh, my directions of what to do to bring you joy and this guy loved it
1: well I gotta do it I'll go let's do it
0: I know it sounds weird whatever (laughs) I don't know what to tell you people Carrie safe travels and um, send us a postcard from Los Angeles a postcard with a picture of Roberto's right everybody needs it everybody needs it Ron we're gonna pause for a short break and we'll be right back with more questions Ron, you um, you have a teenage son with autism. I do. You've spoken about him on and off stage. So I think you might have some valuable insight for our next listener. PA writes, I have a sibling coming to live with my partner and me who has a developmental disability. Once they get here, we will be their caregivers from here on out. This is something I've been expecting to happen at some point in my life, but I'm now realizing I have never considered how this will affect any relationship I had at the time. My partner and I have been together for 14 years at this point, but even with that trust and love we have together, I'm terrified this will put too much stress on our relationship and end us. My partner is completely supportive and has been fully aware of this eventually happening in our relationship. So my question for you is, what advice you have for me and my partner in order to work through such a monumental change in our relationship? Ooh, I like
1: this. Oh, I mean, it feels to me... That a lot of the groundwork has already been taken care of. The fact that you knew that this was a possibility, very much similar to myself when my son was diagnosed with autism when he was three. I I think I was 20, 23. And um, that was one of the reasons I got into comedy where I was like, I don't know if my son will be able to get his own job. I don't know. I hope so. I will hope for that, but I have to prepare in case he doesn't. And so I knew I had to find a career. And for the longest time, I just planned on being a single dad. I had sole custody of my son. And I was like, this is just going to be my life. It's just me taking care of him. Um, And I was very fortunate to find a partner that knew that we were a, uh, a combo deal that you couldn't take one without the other and the balance that's been with her is still finding time and ways to have our space together so that it's not always just living in that caretaker role 24-7, which is something that can really take over your whole life in mm-hmm. ways. And then always, you know, still being grateful for your partner and showing that you're grateful for the work that they're putting in with you, whether that's verbally or gift wise or whatever their love language happens to be. Um, But I think most part it sounds like you have a lot of fear that they just won't be able to keep up with it or, and handle it. And you know that there is no like choosing between you and the sibling that you have to take care of that. If you have to do that choose to your partner, I'm pretty sure I know what that answer would be. But so it just sounds like a um, you have to trust that since you put in that work that you've been honest about it, that they will be able to handle it, that if they need breaks, if they're having trouble with it that they're able to discuss that with you without you being very defensive. Like sometimes I can be very defensive if anyone's having any issues with my son. Mm -hmm. So learning how to separate that and and take that, what feedback that you're getting and then just trust. Trust is the best answer I can give you. If you've set it up and you've been partners for 14 years already and that they've been, preparing for this as well. You got to trust that they can handle it and you got to trust that if they can't handle it, that they will be honest enough to tell you in a polite way. And I think that's really all you you can do because you can't force someone to, you know, love the person that you have to take care of like you do. But if they do, like my wife does for my son, then you really found a special person and you just got to appreciate them and hold on to them.
0: That's incredible. I'm so happy that you have had that experience. And I hope that PA, I have faith in PA's relationship. I do. You know? Yeah, I really do. And I think that, you know, like you're saying, to trust that they can handle it. I think also trusting that there's going to be times that they can't handle it Mm -hmm. and that they'll come around Mm -hmm. and probably – PA, you might not be able to handle it. it it's, it's probably just like every aspect of life in some way where um, you don't just across the board handle it. You don't just sign up and handle a marriage or having twins or an autistic child or a stand-up career. And that comes with not being able to handle it <laughs> as well as handling it. Yes, That's how I feel. So I think it's really good to remain in communication and say, I'm not able to handle this right now, mm-hmm. and I need to step away for a beat. And like Ron is saying, try not to take it personally. Yeah. So
1: Everyone needs a break, and there's a big difference between not being able to handle something for a day and just being out. Yeah. You know, if you've been with you for 14 years, sounds like they don't want to be out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it never dawned on me to do this. You know, you think about taking family vacations and how important that is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's important. And it's important to take couple vacations. That's important. But you know what we are now going to add? I can
1: imagine. Individual vacations. Individual
0: vacations
1: that's something my wife and i were discovering because uh you know we went from being locked in the house every day with each other for a pandemic and then we went straight on a two-week anniversary vacation with each other in europe and then we were both like oh wait you know we needed to get away but also we kind (laughs) of needed to get away from each other
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay pa i hope all or some of that helps um but i think you should for sure listen to uh ron's advice Let's take a break from talking with our guests for a new segment sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I'm calling it Therapy Etiquette, where I answer your questions about getting the professional help we need and deserve. From Jessica, I'm looking for a therapist for the first time after lots of family talks, resisting going outside of my church or close family members for advice and help with my problems. Just so you know, I'm a black queer woman from a Christian background. Would it be beneficial to try to find someone with the same cultural background and or where do I start? I'm worried it's going to be harder to find someone that's a good fit with all of these layers. There are definitely pros to finding a therapist with a similar lived experience, but it's not necessary. Sometimes having a therapist who is very similar to you gives them more opportunities to assume they know you really well just because of similar backgrounds. Your therapist should be someone you feel safe with and that hears you out and doesn't impose their own belief system or values on you. I've certainly experienced that in a therapy session when I really needed help. Somebody assumed they knew something about me, and I knew deep down it wasn't true, it made me not comfortable sharing anymore in that session. And then I've had really positive experiences where somebody did understand or relate to my identity, and they gave very great feedback. You just have to really examine who you're meeting with and what your needs are and listen to yourself. You might not find somebody with exactly your background. Keep that in mind and keep yourself open. And remember that it's okay to ask your therapist about their experiences in life and their background. And even if you don't have the exact, perfectly lined up backgrounds and experiences, Just maybe find out how they imagine bridging these two worlds. And also, you know, finding a therapist can kind of be like dating. If it's something that you are wanting to get out into the world and do and experience, then you're going to have to go through a few people to find who you're looking for. There's a lot of bad dates, and there's some not great matches in the therapist-client world. So um, it can be good to ask people for referrals if you know of people with a really great therapist. Also, with so many new therapists joining the field of therapy, it seems to be getting even more diverse. So I wouldn't assume that you can't find your ideal match because they might be out there, especially over the internet. I mean, that's the entire world. There's got to be somebody, right? There is. Well, I hope that's been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this Q&A. Now let's return to our conversation with Ron Funches. All right. Ron, this is our final question. Okay. Comes from Chris. Chris writes, Hey, Tig and friend. How do you deal with overly sensitive people being offended by your playful teasing. Like you, I have a very dry, sardonic personality and playfully tease the people I like most, often less, though, than your teasing. How can I reassure them that no offense is intended? Should I wink? As you know, having to explain that it's a joke is tacky. Oh, Chris. (laughs) Do you really think I'm going to say, yes, after every joke, you should wink? I don't feel like that's the answer, Chris. Ron, do you? I don't think
1: it's the answer.
0: I mean, you'd see me on TV making jokes and winking all the time, which kind of actually in a corny way sounds appealing to me. Maybe I'll try it out in my stand up.
1: I feel like maybe are the jokes that good? If everybody is bad at you, then you (laughs) got to be willing to take feedback. Sometimes that's not going well. yeah, Or that you're not putting it in the proper place. I know a lot of times before I did stand up, Oh, you couldn't have a serious conversation with me at all. I was just looking for a place to put a punchline. I was (laughs) looking for you to make some type of conversation mistake that I could jump on you. And maybe you're putting too much energy in that. And people are just like, hey, can you just talk to me? Can you just answer the question that I am asking you? Right. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's too much. And so. It doesn't matter your intention. If people don't like even my wife, I I am very playful. And sometimes I have to, she'll be like, you're joking too much with me right now. I'm not your bro. I'm your wife. And I'll have to be like, oh, okay. I understand.
0: Right. And, you know, to go back to the word intention, I do think intention is important. But you could have the intention to be teasing somebody and show that you like them. Or care about them and want to have a good time, but you might also have another intention simultaneously, which is trying to make them laugh, like Ron is saying. So you have these two intentions going, because oftentimes when you have the correct intention, the right intention, jokes like this will typically go over pretty well, especially if you're saying that's your personality. You're known for being dry and sardonic and you playfully tease people, You have to think about what is the element missing? Are you trying too hard to get these jokes in like Ron's saying? Um, Or do you have some deep seated part of you that's like actually irritated with this person and you're trying to say it's just a joke? Chris, what's going on?
1: Mm -hmm. We don't need a follow up. Uh Are you are you you secretly just trying to cut them down? Yeah. Jokes and you're not saying your honest feelings.
0: Mm -hmm. What I do walk away from this knowing full well is there should be no winking. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I know more than anything. (laughs) But you can
1: maybe he could come up with a catchphrase. To let people know.
0: Or she we don't we oh, don't yes, know. I this is Chris with a K. Ooh. Yeah. So we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but we don't know what's going on anywhere. No. People don't know what's going on when they look at me. But um one time I winked at somebody and it was really it was out of nervousness and it like sent the wrong message. Mm-hmm. I had somebody sitting with me at lunch that I didn't know. I was just in between flights. Have you ever done that nervously wink? Yeah,
1: no, I'm not. I'm not actually second guess even saying this out loud because I can hear my wife uh-huh. in my background. Uh, but yeah. uh, we were walking down, I think in Europe, we were walking in the elevator and this like 12 year old. You're
0: walking in an elevator. We walking
1: and got to the elevator. All right. And then it's like, kid who could be more like 12 or 13 year old she's just staring at me for some reason and i got there and so then i just winked at her and i was like wait you shouldn't wink at a 13 year old girl
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was similar to me like this girl that was probably around 20 Mm -hmm. you know walking around the airport and she was looking for a place to sit and i winked at her i was mortified (laughs) i don't wink at people I'm not a Chris, okay? I'm not a Chris with a K. (laughs) And this girl sat down with me. And I happened to be eating a California roll. Mm -hmm. So my mouth was full. I was was mid like huge California roll bite, you know? And I was like, oh. oh, oh." (laughs) And then I was sitting there with, Somebody uh, that I was—I just really wanted to eat and leave, and I just wanted to say hi. I'm sorry, I don't wink at people. I—you were looking over at my table, so I just winked, and but I didn't mean for you to sit with me. I got to run for a flight, and winking is never good.
1: No, I think mine was more of a weird ego thing where I thought for some reason because she's staring at me, I was like, I was like, yes, I am Cooper from Trolls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah, and no,
1: she's like.
0: <laughs> I'm going to start saying that. If I wink again, I'm going to say, yes, I am Cooper from Trolls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ron, I think we've uh, gotten Chris the information that Chris needs, which is drop the winking. I think you just need to think more about all these different intentions you might have. Mm -hmm.
1: And again, also pick up a catchphrase. Hamburger. Something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. hamburger. That's perfect. Or how about, "Yes, I am Cooper." <laughs> <laughs> That's the catchphrase. Yeah. Why would you go to Hamburger? That's uh, true. <laughs> All right, Ron, that was our last question, but I need I need you to help for one last thing. Okay. It's called Name That Thing. Ooh. Name that thing. Yeah, it's a segment where people write in when they need us to name that thing for them. Okay. Anything from a beehive to a houseplant. The catch is that they must use the name. This is binding, so we can't mess it up. Okay. You're up for the challenge? Absolutely. All right. Heather writes, My husband and I are starting an adult league co-ed softball team. Mm. This is our first season and so far, we've only recruited my parents and sisters. What should we name our team? Mm. My gut just right out of the gate is the sad sacks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you don't, Do you, you feel like this is a sad tale or
0: just? Well, I mean, if you're trying to start a league and you can only round up your parents and your sisters. hmm. I would proudly wear a shirt that said the Sad Sacks. And then somebody's like, why are you called the Sad Sacks? And I'd say, well, I tried to start a league and I could only get my parents and my sisters, you know? No,
1: you're right. I try to think of a name that's better and I can't. I can't think of a better name than the Sad Sacks. All, all of mine are just about home is where the bases are. I got it too long. That's too long of my names are too long for me.
0: Yeah, but there's something fun about... I could be swayed because I would also be very charmed if on somebody's t shirt it said home is where the bass is is. <laughs> <laughs> the home is where the basis is is. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, I'd love to see that game. The sad sacks versus the home is where the basis is. <laughs> is is. The basis is is.
1: The basis is is.
0: Yeah. When you want to see that game,
1: yeah, I definitely want to see that game. Well, yeah. As long as they got cotton candy, I'm there.
0: All right. I'm going to leave it up to you. And I, I'm not precious about mm-hmm. this at all. What what in your gut?
1: A home you is where think, the basis is. This? <laughs> that's,
0: that, that's the name? Yeah. It
1: seems because this seems so like such a long name to try to put on a shirt. And I want to see right. it. I want to see the design.
0: Please take a picture, tag us. Me and Ron Funches, tag us with your T-shirts that you have to have made that say "The Home Is Where the Bases Is 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 Is," <laughs> or however however it goes. All right, that's the name. Okay, done. Your new softball team is now called "The Home Is Where the Bases Is Is." is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Ron, that's the end of the show. Thank you for spending your time with me today.
1: Always a pleasure to spend any time with you, Tig. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And is there anything that the world, and I mean the world, my podcast is a big sensation. (laughs) What would you like the world to know?
1: Uh, Just maybe check out my podcast. I like it. It's called Getting Better with Ron Punches. We just talk about getting better at life and stuff. And I talk to nice people. That's about it.
0: Great. I hope to see you soon, Ron. I hope so as well, Tig. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: TIG is hosted by me, TIG Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shanna Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark, Elena C., and Dan Latou. Our theme music is... Friend in TIG by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham, And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman, Lily Kim, Alex Schaffert, and Lauren D. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask TIG. Don't Ask TIG is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.